Good morning. Um, my name's Isaac. Uh, I'm from Trinity Reformed Baptist Church in Hamilton, uh, and I was uh, asked to come uh, preach this morning. It's a fantastic pleasure to be here. Uh, I've wanted to come up and visit you guys for a while now, uh, and so I'm stoked that I get to be here and uh, bring the word this morning. So this morning, uh, I'll be preaching from 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, verses 20 uh, to 40. It's 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, verse 20 to 40. So just give you a bit of time to turn there, and then we'll begin uh, by reading the Word of God. Can you describe where that is in the Bible? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So give us a little hint there. 1 Kings uh, is in the, in the Old Testament, um, and it comes, uh, there's, a, there's a section of four books, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, then 1 Kings, 2 Kings, um, and it, it, it describes the, the, I guess the history uh, of Israel. It's kind of the middle-ish of the Old Testament there. Um, and it's just detailing the, the various leaders and kings uh, that Israel have had. Um, and this is, this is one of those kings. Um, and so the king that we, that we find here, his name is Ahab, uh, and he's been uh, leading the nation of Israel uh, in idolatry uh, to an idol called Baal. Um, and so Baal is, a, is apparently the, the god of, of, of rain and um, uh, providence for their, for their food and grain and stuff like that. Um, and so we, we come to this passage here. Um, Israel has been in this, uh, this big, long drought for three years um, because of their idolatry. So the prophet uh, Elijah here had warned them of their idolatry uh, and then he said to them, if you don't uh, repent uh, to turn from your sin, from this idolatry, uh, I will pray to God and he will bring a drought on your land, um, which directly uh, comes against the idol Baal, who was supposed to be providing their rain. Um, so starting in verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull, and prepare it first, for you are many. And call upon the name of your God, and put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. 
Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four jars with water, and put it on the burnt offering, and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar, and filled the trench with, also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, O Lord. Answer that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was around the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook at Kishon and slaughtered them there. This is the word of the Lord. It's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have spoken in many times and in many places and through many people. We thank you that your word has been recorded for us in, uh, in the book that we have, the Bible. We pray now for your guidance uh, as, we, as we go through this text. May you open our eyes to see uh, who you are in this text, that we may see Christ Turn our hearts back towards you. Father, as I preach this word this morning, may you give me wisdom, kindness, and compassion. And may your people listen and hear and respond. Make us holy. Make us kind. Make us joyful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So have you ever experienced the feeling of being torn between two decisions? The feeling of trying to decide between two ice blocks at a dairy. Or of scrolling Netflix trying to decide what movie or TV show to watch. Or maybe you've been stuck trying to decide between something good and something slightly better. Like between two jobs, or which school to go to, or uh, or, or between getting more sleep and going to church or reading your Bible. We're constantly faced with these decisions where we have to pick um, between two options, but often we are faced between picking. Often we are faced between picking between God and something else. Our lack of trust in and love for God is shown in the decisions that we make, and this is where we find Israel now, sitting between two options, between Baal and God. They've been in idolatry for years and years and years. And saying that they can worship God and also Baal, because at least their reasoning is they are still worshipping God. They sought pleasure in the worship of Baal while still claiming that they were gods. Their lack of love 
Their lack of trust in and love for God led them to seek fulfillment in Baal. And Elijah warned them for many years that they were doing this and that what they were doing was wrong. He called them to repent, to turn from their sin and turn to God. He told them that what they were doing was wrong and he called a drought on them. Still, they did not listen. So we find ourselves at this magnificent scene when Elijah and his God, the Lord Almighty, is pitted against the numerous prophets of the God Baal in a high-stakes showdown. And in this passage, we see three sections. We see in verses 20 to 22, the idolatry confronted. In verses 23 to 28, we see the futility or worthlessness of the idols. And in verses 37 to 40, we see the mercy of God displayed. The first thing, idolatry confronted, verse 20 to 22. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So here we find this interaction between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, between God and Baal. Elijah poses the question, how long will you limp between two opinions? And the reason for this was because Israel were constantly going between other gods and Yahweh. They had this God and mentality, God and Baal, or they had um, God and their own, uh, what's the word, <laughs> success and their own, um, their own pleasure. This mentality of God and, as long as I am worshipping God, then I can do what I want. Jesus speaks in Matthew 6 verse 24 that you cannot serve two masters. This God and mentality does not work. It says you will hate one and that you will love the other. When we're confronted with God and some sort of idol in our lives, I can tell you now that it is not God that you end up loving. So often... We set up idols in our lives that we think we can put alongside the true worship and love for God. We often have this attitude of God and. We have God and pride, God and gluttony, God and money, God and power, God and sexual indulgence. But do you often make these excuses that as long as I'm going to church, as long as I'm reading my Bible and praying that I can indulge in the sins of the flesh and find fulfillment in the world. They are all rooted in a lack of love for and trust in God. Instead of being devoted to God, our hearts turn to these other things for fulfillment. But God requires full and exclusive worship from his people. There is no space for us to entertain the sins and the desires of the flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. We must put it to death. This is the reason that Elijah and the prophets of Baal have this confrontation. Because God will not settle for worship of another thing beside himself. 
So what is your response? How long will you limp between two opinions? How long will you limp between God and the desires of the flesh? How long will you limp between God and things that you find fulfillment in in the world? When confronted with this question of their devotion, we find that the Israelites had no reply. There is no excuse for this attitude. They knew that it was wrong. They knew that they couldn't serve both God and Baal. They had no answer to Elijah when he asked them that question. God deserves and requires full worship from his people. He says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 to 6, since the second book in the Bible, just after the Israelites had been brought out of Egypt and God is giving them the rules and the laws that they uh, to do in order to live in communion with him. He says in chapter 20, verse 3, that you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the, and that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. This is the first and second commandment that God gave to the Israelite people. The first things that he required of his people was love and devotion for himself. And these are the first things that we break when we sin. When we commit idolatry or any other sin, we are breaking this commandment to love God. We are breaking this commandment to give him full devotion. But he still requires it. God is a jealous God. He will not accept the worship of other gods and idols alongside himself. It's like when we commit adultery, it's like a groom who goes to his wedding and he goes through the ceremony and he says his vows, promising eternal love and desire for his wife and only her. Then, at the wedding reception, turning to a party guest and spending the night with her. What hope do we have? What will God do about this idolatry in our lives? This leads me to the second point, the futility of idols. When confronted with idolatry in our lives... God first shows how useless these idols are. That story that Steve read out earlier this morning about Hudson Taylor and about how, the pro- how God provided for them for the hospital and the Chinese people saying, these idols don't do this. We pray and we pray and we pray and we have never received anything from them. God shows again and again and again how useless the idols are when confronted with the needs. And in the story, Elijah shows the futility and uselessness of these idols in two ways. Firstly, the lack of response from Baal in verse 26 to 29. Just listen, just listen to this. That, and they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. From morning until noon, they called and they called and they called. But there was no voice. No one answered. And so they ramped it up and they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. 
And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. These things that we devote our lives to, these things that we so earnestly seek after, are oddly silent in times of need. These things which we indulge in and we, 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 we find fulfillment. The worship of Baal involved these elaborate uh, exercises and, uh, and adoration. When you saw the prophets here, how they, how they went around and they were, they were cutting themselves and they were exerting themselves, showing how much they appreciated and adored this idol. When it came time to provide, there was no answer. So look now in verse 30 to 38 at the quick response of God. Compared to the hours upon hours of worship towards Baal, we see this. Then Elijah said to all all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. He took 12 stones according to the tribes of the son of Jacob to whom the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. With these stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two sears of seed. He put the wood in order, and he cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And then he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And do it a third time, until the altar was completely saturated with with water. The wood had soaked up the water, it wasn't going to burn. Then, at the time of the offering, Elijah the prophet came near and he said this. Compared to the prophets of Baal who limped around and who shouted out, who cried, who cut themselves, he said this. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that you have done these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering of the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in their trench. The prophets of Baal spent hours trudging around this altar. Elijah said two sentences and the offering was burnt up. Just pause for a minute and think about the power and providence of God that is on display here. Think about the hours and hours and hours that we spend fruitlessly chasing after things of this world and the idols that so capture our hearts. And then consider for a moment the one simple prayer offered up to God. Not only do idols fail to deliver, but in the face of God who provides and is powerful, they are completely useless. Idolatry is not merely replacing one object of worship with another, but it is replacing the creator, an infinite, living, breathing God, with creation, a still, inanimate, lifeless object or an idea that cannot respond. All Baal was required to do was to send down one lick of fire to consume and burn up the meat that was on the altar, 
to show that he could provide the rain to give the Israelites their life. But he could not even do that, let alone provide any sort of eternal salvation and fulfillment that God can provide. The God that we worship is so much greater than we can imagine. Where there was no response or care from Baal, God responded to the pleas of Elijah for mercy and acted. He went above and beyond what was required. He said, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and he licked up the fire that was in the trench. Friends, our God is an all-consuming fire. But he acts mercifully towards his people. And this brings me to my third point, the mercy of God. To see this, we must look at the response of the Israelites when confronted with God. In verse 39, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Look at God's response to these idol worshippers. Instead of consuming Israelite, the Israelites with an all-consuming fire, he consumes the altar. They rightly deserve to be punished for their idolatry. It's the first and second commandment. He had every right to consume them, to burn them up, but instead he burnt up the altar. He burnt up the sacrifice that was given on behalf of the Israelite people. It's the very nature of their hearts requires God to punish them. In Romans 3, verse 10 to 12, it says that no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not one. And in Romans 6, it says that for the punishment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The punishment for this idolatry, this punishment for ignoring God and not loving God as we ought, is death. But God did not expel them from his presence, but instead turned their hearts and affections back to himself. And they repented and fell down in worship towards him. When confronted with our sin and our idolatry, this is the right response. We are to turn to God and fall on our faces in worship and repentance. God was merciful towards them when they deserved to be punished. God instead showed them who he was so that they would rid their idols and worship him exclusively. He showed them his glory in the form of fire from heaven. But we have an even greater revelation of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus says that he who has seen me has seen the Father. And he describes himself as gentle and lowly in heart. This picture and revelation of Christ is so much more than this holy, consuming fire, but is one of gentleness and mercy, love and compassion. Christ was sent into this world in the form of a man in order to bring idol worshippers and God-haters to himself and to repentance. Christ came to earn the righteousness that was required for these people, for us to stand before God. 
Christ took our sin. He bore our punishment instead of us. And as God consumed the altar instead of the Israelites, God punishes Christ instead of us. God revealed his holiness to Israel that day with the prophets of Baal, but on that day on the cross, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. So, though we have been torn between two opinions, between the worship of self and various ideas and sinful desires and the worship of God, God has provided the way out. He has given his son Jesus as a sacrifice to cover our sins. Jesus came to set the captives free, to release us from the worship which so occupies our hearts. So, what will you do in response? Will you stand with no reply? Or will you turn and repent of your sins, falling in worship towards God Almighty, who graciously acted to bring us back to himself? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing gift you have given us in Jesus Christ. What an amazing revelation of yourself. Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and mercy, kindness and gentleness. We thank you for him. We pray now that as we consider him, as we consider his works, as we consider his sacrifice on our behalf, Father, may you turn our hearts in repentance. Forgive us of our idolatry. Forgive us of not loving you as we ought. But instead, turn our hearts and our affections towards him. Help us to see him in all of his glory and majesty, that our hearts may be captivated, that our hearts and our affections may be turned to him, that we may love him and that we may be devoted to him. Father, save us from our sin. Make us holy. Make us joyful. In Jesus' name, amen.